One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. podcast and as always thank you for joining me in today's episode i speak with sky evans a professional bigfoot researcher sky is a part of the bigfoot field researchers organization over in america just to give you a little bit of an idea of what we talk about throughout this interview we get a lot of perspective about what the bigfoot's characteristics are like and also sky has a ton of really incredible stories while he's been out in the woods actually looking for these creatures so we get a lot of perspective get a lot of information and I've definitely come away from this podcast with a lot more knowledge. If you want to know more about Sky and his research into Bigfoot, definitely check out his website. The website is www.squatchthelift.com. There will be a link in the description of this podcast. Also, just before we get started, a couple other things. There will be a new podcast every fortnight. Two weeks ago when I uploaded the last episode, I decided to make that a goal for this year and that's what I'm sticking to currently. So every fortnight, you're going to get a new podcast. And also, we are on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Depending on what your preferred way of listening to the podcast is, subscribe, follow, and as always, if you enjoy an episode, give us a like, leave us a rating. It all really helps. After recording this with Sky, I actually spoke to him a little bit about me wanting to go out and look for the Australian Bigfoot, which is called a Yowie. And Sky pretty much convinced me just to go and do it. So that's what my plan is. I want to go out, have a bit of a, a bit of a camping trip out in the Australian bush looking for a Yowie. And I want to podcast the entire thing. So anything I don't find, anything I might find and bring it to you guys. And hopefully we could kind of make it something worth listening to. So if you guys want to hear that, definitely follow the podcast, subscribe to us. And of course, leave me a comment if that's something you want to see. And we'll keep you in the loop when that's going to happen in the next coming weeks. Thank you once again to Sky for coming out spending some time i really did appreciate it and i think anyone like myself who's interested in the topic of bigfoot you're really going to enjoy this thank you hey sky how you doing good how are you not too bad thanks for joining me today yeah thank you for having me anytime sky why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself i am a musician and i've been playing music professionally for the better part of like 10 years or so I've been doing Bigfoot research for the past five, uh, serious Bigfoot research for the last five. And um, I'm currently very busy because I'm moving to Japan at the end of March. Okay. It's just out of curiosity, what do you play? Um, I play uh, typically just a guitar, but I play in this uh, country ragtime band where I play banjo. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of like dabble in a lot of bluegrass instruments and mandolin. And I took piano for a long, long time, but then sort of fell out of that as I like hands-on string instruments, mm-hmm. I guess. But I can't I can't play violin or anything. Like anything with a bow, I'm terrible. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, I've been playing drums for probably about the same time as you just nice. mentioned. Yeah, so yeah, I do um, music outside of all of this paranormal kind of stuff <laughs> as well. So yeah, that's sort of my other life. But yeah, awesome. So when did you start getting into the whole interest in Bigfoot? Um, so when I was a kid, my school had a uh, sort of this garage sale where I found a book called Monsters, Who Are They? or something and found Bigfoot in there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I've always been into like chupacabras and the Loch Ness Monster and cryptozoology stuff. But um I was coming back from a trip from this place called Bullard's Bar, California, where people have houseboats. And I was looking off the side of the road, and this is like a super popular highway. And uh, I, I looked on the side of the road and thought I saw something walking up, you know, 20, 30 feet up in the trees uh, walking. And I turned as we drove past it, and I could still see it moving. And, you know, whether it was a Bigfoot or not, uh, I, I kind of don't believe that it was one, but there was something there. And so I was like, oh, you know, and kept that in the back of my mind. But then I was finding Bigfoot podcasts somehow like five, six, six years ago, probably. I was listening to podcasts, finding books, and I was like, oh, yeah, this thing called Bigfoot exists still. And so um, I decided, you know, one day on the off chance at work, I looked up um, Bigfoot and the, found the BFRO and saw that they did expeditions and I was like, well, I better put, you know, sort of my money where my mouth is and get serious about it. And so I shot him an email, signed up for my first expedition. And ever since I was, I was sort of hooked. And that was, I think back in 2012, I think maybe, I mean, five years isn't a long time, but now every trip has sort of blended together where it's just like, it's been my life recently. So (laughs) (laughs) that sounds great. What is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization for people who aren't familiar? Uh, the BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, is uh, touted as like the world's premier and foremost and only Bigfoot organization doing scientific research, even though we're not the only one. There's things like the Olympic Project and the Orang Pendek Project and all that stuff. But we are the largest organization of that gets the most reports. There's upwards of like 60,000 reports in the database right now. On a, It's called FLATS. That's the follow-up logging and tracking system. And um, we just get the most reports in the world wow. for Bigfoot sightings. Yeah, there's, there's a ton. And there's only like a few hundred people in the BFRO if they're even active. There's like people are like, why don't you, why don't, why isn't it updated a lot? And it's like, well, we all have other lives. No one is like paid just to do this. You're only really paid if, if you do expeditions or something, you know? That's really great to hear that there is organizations out there, such as the BFRO, with dedicated people taking time out of their days and their lives to go out and do some actual research. Yeah, definitely. And like I've made some of my my best friends doing Bigfooting and you know the fact that it's pretty much all on a volunteer basis. I mean, you get either invited in, someone has to vet for you to get in, but um everyone who's in it wants to be there and everyone's really like-minded with the one goal and we're all just sort of doing the best we can with what we got, you know, and uh Matt Moneymaker has also culminated stories from like that John Green gathered and Renee DeHinden, so there's historical stuff in there, but he also just had this great idea of, oh, the internet is this thing where we can culminate and build this big database, and so that's what the BFRO is, is like this huge database. (laughs) 
why do you believe in Bigfoot? What really resonates with you to believe that it's not just people maybe missing some other creature out in the forest, that they actually are having these experiences? Oh man, that's so hard because <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a purely selfish thing that I would love to believe that there was, you know, when Pangea formed and you know something must have crossed over and there's a missing link, but you know as far as Bigfoot goes, there's and it's so like everything I'll say here is so cliche, but there is just um, millions of acres of untouched forest land that um, something more, you know, I believe something more has to be there and. People can't just all be misidentifying things. You know, people see bears and, you know, where they say, oh, bears walk on their hind legs too. But, you know, that thing isn't seven to 10 feet tall as people say they see, you know. So there, there's a ton of misidentifications. I think there's more misidentifications than people would like to admit. But there are some very, very credible sightings that happen. And so I think something has to be out there. But that's also some sort of romantic thing of like, you know, if there's like, oh, there's got to be a God, there's got to be more to life. There's like got to be something more to the forests in North America. I agree with you. There would be a lot of forest or in my case, a lot of bush that is uncharted and we just don't know what would be out there. So the probability of Bigfoot is definitely there. My next question is, I want to know some of your case files, some of your stories, some of your evidence you've gathered over the last couple of years of being a Bigfoot investigator? Oh, geez. Well, so I have been with the BFRO, I think, for two years now. And I've honestly only investigated probably a handful, maybe about 10 that I've looked into. Um, if I were a good, thorough investigator for the group, I would go through and like follow up on each one. But of course, I cherry pick the ones that are most interesting and say, oh, I'll go back and you know follow up on those lesser ones later. But there was one that I followed up on. And there's a town nearby called uh, Carson City. It's Nevada's capital. Someone had, I knew the area exactly, and it was from a firefighter and said he saw a white one running across the side of this mountain. And this was at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday and uh, that's one of the ones where I was like, there's no way, there's absolutely no way. But he was, he was, and he was really cool about it. He's not one of the people who's like, I know what I saw. He's like, yeah, you know, it could have been anything, but um, I saw this big white thing running back into the mountains off of this field over this hill and uh, just, you know, figured I should report it to you guys. And I was like, you know, that's awesome. People, people like him are, what we need more of is like having skeptics in mind of, you know, I don't know what I saw, but I saw something. And then there's another one from, I think, 2011 at a nearby town. I don't know. Do you know where Lake Tahoe is? Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of it. Yeah. So Lake Tahoe is like an hour away from my house. Uh, there's this town called Incline Village when you go into town from Reno, where I live. We had a big old snowstorm up there and these this guy and his, and his father were driving along the road and they saw something run up. It was a road crossing from uh, the beach side and um, crossed and ran back up into the hills. And this was at, I think about five in the morning. And so, you know, wintertime here, it's still extremely dark out then. But they said that they, you know, they saw it run across from, I believe, left to right. So from the beach side up into the hills and they rolled their windows down and said that they could hear something howling. I mean, I, I would never think to roll down my window if I saw a, a Bigfoot <laughs> and it's like a huge blizzard outside. I'd be like, man, I'm cranking that heater. And <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <you know? laughs> but um, yeah, and I mean, outside of, you know, a bunch of 
bogus reports that I've looked into. Just uh, I also I mainly help with expeditions and help lead people on night hikes and things. And uh, I've had some stuff happen on expeditions that I've been a part of. So that stuff has been crazy too. <laughs> yeah. So when you go out with the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, are you going to some hotspots, maybe some recent sightings, some past sightings which have been reported? And what's the plan of attack when you're out there? So the expedition leader typically has a place in mind. It's a place that uh, there's recent reports from, or if not recent, you know, there's a good uh, history of reports coming out, whether it's sightings, tracks, uh, like Class B stuff, which is auditory um, things, you know, like hearing wood knocks or howls. And so we sort of hone in on this area. And then as far as um, you know, like with expeditions, you also have to have to have uh, have it in mind that there's going to be probably twenty or more people. So you also have to find a place that can contain everyone, like that many people in the in the middle of the woods. So you have to find a big plot of land that's not private, that's you know accommodating and you know not driving for forty miles uh, up dirt roads the whole time. <laughs> but um. Typically, the expeditions run. People show up on Thursday and go home on Sundays. And you sort of do, people will teach classes during the day, or you'll go out and scout areas during the day. And then at night, you know, you pick which spots you typically want to go to. There's usually about three or four different options. But um, if there's enough BFRO people there, to go out and do lesser stuff, you can go in lesser groups, like just two people. Uh, typically, we don't like people going out alone unless they've been doing it for a long time and we can vet for them just because it's uh, a, a bit dangerous. I, I look at it as not that dangerous, but I'm also I'm also down to just go by myself all the time. But yeah, and some people, like I like to show up really early. I'll show up on Monday and be up there by myself um, until everyone shows up. Or a lot of people also like to come in on Wednesdays. So um, you can sort of pick your spot where you're going to set up camp and ease into it. And by the time everyone else shows up on Thursday or Friday after work, you know, you're already set to go. What are some of the experiences you have had when you've been out on the expeditions? Oh, boy. <laughs> I so, so before we started recording, it was like 7 o'clock and I was like, oh, my God, I have to get these together because... <laughs> Five years like culminates to a lot, and I, you know, I, I've been on eleven expeditions, and so trying to remember what happened from all of those, um, like I guess this is a good point to plug this blog that I have yeah, that I also do. I very seldom update. I haven't updated it since 2015, but um, there's three expeditions on there. But it's a blog that I have. It's called squatchlift.com. I mean, eventually, I always say I'll update it more, but <laughs> I have I have the notes from it, so I could I could tell the story. But I also was thinking about just turning it into a book. So I I mostly stick to California, Oregon, and Washington, just because that's right in my general vicinity. And I think you know the name Bigfoot comes from the the Jerry Crew area um, up around Willow Creek and. In, in California. So I call it Bigfoot, not Sasquatch. So I like the Pacific Northwest. So the first expedition I ever went on was on the California Sierras expedition. And it's this great group and this great site. But there's a history of this area where a ranger was doing, I mean, maybe it was a ranger or someone uh, looking into um, all the ponds nearby, but a ranger heard something screaming in the woods. So he goes up, you know, is walking and comes across this deer uh, with its legs broken, its hind legs broken, 
and uh, it's screaming there. And then he he looks, I think, to the side, or he's and then he sees the Bigfoot, and and it's staring right at him. And he just booked it out of there. The story goes that he went right to the ranger station, turned in his badge, everything, and he just up and quit. And so that was a hard story to dig out, I guess. But that's why we go to this area. And so my first trip, there was this thing called the Bratwurst Incident. That's what we've named it. Where there are these three big, muscular, like tattoo guys. You'd see them at the gym or at the latest, like Monster Energy sponsored arena show. And uh, they had a lot of experience in the woods and they're camping with their big trucks far away from everyone else. And um, there's one night where they left their styrofoam cooler on the back of their pickup truck with the gate down. And so um, they had some hot dogs or bratwurst right you know, on top if you open the lid. And so uh, one of the guys, the biggest muscular, most tattooed guy, he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's just paralyzed with with fear. He People call it zapping and he curled up in the fetal position and he was just shaking. And um, something opened the lid from the gate, stuck its finger in and pulled out uh, one just one piece of bratwurst and then closed the lid and left. And he could hear it moving and going into the back of his truck, and he was there in the fetal position. And then he didn't sleep at all that night. They woke up the next morning. The two other guys had no idea. Wake up the next morning, and they see, you can see where some finger carved out a spot in the styrofoam, and you can see um, an actual dirty residue of a finger pulling it out through the plastic of the bratwurst uh, case. Wow. They were like, very excited but the one guy was like that's you know that's what I came for and then the next that that day when they had woken up they went down and they stayed down at a an actual campground and would take showers there and you know stayed there so they couldn't even handle the woods anymore after that and that was just their like first or second night there you go yeah so that was that was wild and then at the same site the same my first trip I was really naive and uh, went up. I just bushwhacked the side of the mountain right off the road and um, just started climbing because, you know, I, my goal was to just make it to the top of this mountain during the day. And um, I came across, it was this really nice shaded enclosed, I call it, uh, I just call it the bear den, even though it's nothing like a bear den, but it's matted down with all of these leaves that I don't know where they came from. It's all pine trees, but it's all these leaves and there's fresh deer scat everywhere. Um, you can see bear prints nearby going up and down down this area. And so I'm sitting there taking a breather and all of a sudden I hear right off away from me, not 10, 15 feet away up in the trees, I just hear these rocks tapping together and it's just clapping and it's doing this uh, like ry- rhythmic pattern of these two rocks and it's just like... And it's these definite like rock on rock things going on. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I get up and I I walk around and try and find two rocks and I find them. And I just start going back and forth with this thing. And when I would go, it would go and we just go back and forth. We never matched each other or, or anything, but um, we just went back and forth. And so I was like, huh, I'm a Bigfoot researcher now. I'm going to pull out my phone and record it, you know? And so I pull out my phone and hit the voice recorder button and everything just stopped. And I waited for 10, 15 minutes. Nothing ever happened again. So, yeah. So I put my phone away and that was, you know, that was 
the end of that. <laughs> That's incredible. This this area here is like we've been returning here. It's like four, five years of our tradition because we've had so much action at this area. One of my favorites that I've never heard anywhere else. And it's just amazing to me because I got to see the remnants of it. We have this friend, Michael, who it was his first expedition and he was camping in the same area as the Bratwurst camp. And this was the year or two after the Bratwurst incident. And he's up there camping by himself. He's got the whole, like, from where he is, he's just got this pretty nice open area, a bunch of fallen logs, but open area that backs into the side of the mountain. And he sets up his toilet paper roll um, on a V, on a tree, like, you know, where you can fit the roll on, but you have to bend down two branches to uh, get it in there. You know, there's like two little pieces at the end. So you have to fold those in, stick the toilet paper roll on. And then when you let go, it stays in place. Okay. And so he sets his toilet paper roll up. And the next morning we're all, you know, I have this group and we're in, I guess, the middle camp. So we're between main base camp and Bratwurst. And he comes over to us, the four or five of us who are there. And he's just carrying this whole wad of toilet paper in, in his arms and we're just like, oh my God, what is what is going on with this? You know, this crazy guy, Michael, that this is the first or second day we met him. And, you know, is he going to drop a load on us or something? And so he, he, he actually does. He brings over the toilet paper and just drops it in front of us. And we go, huh, what are you going to do with that? And he goes, you'll never believe it. And so he that's how he picked it up. But in his camp where that toilet paper roll was, Something had pulled the whole roll off without breaking a sheet and it just laid it end over end. So he just, something just folded it over and over itself. Like it wasn't shredded. Everything was in perfect condition. It wasn't dirty. It was just end over end. And um, you could see the glue off the back that holds it to the toilet paper roll. And so something had pulled that off, laid it end over end. Um, but it was incredible. And I mean, I, you know, I initially wouldn't believe that. Uh, but because I could see the glue at the end and then just after, you know, now having known him for a few years, he doesn't mess around. You know, he was up there alone and he had no idea. And he just he claims he woke up to that. And I couldn't see him taking having the patience to pull that off and fold it end over end. But it was perfect condition toilet paper. So this was two years ago. I had shown up. It was an actual expedition. I was camping uh, by myself at this meadow. It was, you know, Monday night, nothing happened, you know, so I was, I was kind of pissed off because, you know, I show up and I'm like, all right, let's get something happening. And it never works like that. And then uh, Tuesday night leading into Wednesday morning, for some reason, I, I woke up in my tent and I sat up and this was at exactly one o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and I was like, why, you know, thinking to myself, why am I awake? And then I hear three big steps. It was just boom, boom, boom. And it stopped and it was coming towards my tent. And this must have been within 20 feet at least. But you could feel the ground shake and you could hear the steps as they were being taken. So there was boom, boom, boom right towards me. And it stopped. And then it w there were four steps leaving going back over the road into the trees and I just hear boom, boom, boom. And then on the fourth step, there was a branch break that was under the weight of, of the step because I couldn't fully hear the impact of that step. Something broke on the fourth. And I was like, holy God. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was like, this is incredible, but you know, should I peek my head out? I was like too 
too scared. And so I regret not looking out, but I think something came up to check me out and then just took off. But, you know, I didn't turn on a light. I just looked at the phone and the time. And I think I was also just kind of annoyed that I was woken up (laughs) at one in the morning. But I mean, it was terrifying at the time. I can imagine. Definitely. (laughs) Doesn't sound like something you really want to wake up to. Yeah. And like my friend Jerry at work is like, you know, maybe it was a bear or something. And I was like, no way, because nothing, I'm not going to hear just three impacted steps coming towards me and then four leaving. And on, you know, you would hear the the little bit of gallop with the quadruped, the four legs. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild. But I didn't see it. So it's just a, a class B thing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In uh, Washington, I'll, t- I'll tell this, this story, not last year, but the year before. This guy's name is Jim, and there's uh, this area called Little Fish Lake in Washington. And this guy decides to go up and check out the area by himself at night, really late, past midnight probably, because that's when all this stuff occurs. And he was just up there alone, hanging out by his truck, walking around. He started to hear really big branch breaks and then big thumps on the ground. He started making whoops to try and get something to call back. And so he had things respond. And what's interesting is that it was close enough where um, he says that when he threw his arms up, he got so spooked that something responded to him that he threw his arms up and surrender. And he's like an ex-cop. So he's used to just throwing his arms up like, you know, thinking it could be anything, you know, throws his arms up and surrender and it would start to make noise. And then he put his arms down and that's when everything would stop. 
he threw his arms up again and something made more noise and then he put his arms back down and nothing happened and he was spooked and so he came back to base camp where all of us were and i mean this guy's eyes they were so wide i'm i'm surprised his face could contain it but his eyes were so wide he he pulls up speed in his way through pulls up and he uh he pulls out his chewing tobacco. He takes a dip and then he grabs the biggest cigar I've ever seen in my life and he lights that and he pulls out a bunch of uh, rye whiskey and just starts taking shot after shot. And he is just, he's shaking. He's so in shock and just amped up from it. An interesting incident. That same year in 2015, I went on an uh, expedition in Oregon. This was my first time being in Oregon. We went to this uh, trail called the Rimrock Trail. It was me and this uh, gentleman from Iowa and the expedition leader, uh, Cindy Cadell, her daughter, Megan. It was me, Iowa, and Megan. And we just, the three of us went up on this trail. And the whole time we were up there, we were hearing whoops and calls from across the big meadow that was in, sort of on our left and, and the mountains on our right, and it dips down. So we were we were basically at the top of this mountain. And um, so we were hearing calls, but we couldn't tell if that was the other group who was making calls because our radio, you know, you don't get radio range like that. And so we just listen in and then we found this nice log to sit on that's right on the trail. We sit down for a few minutes and we're just, you know, catching our breath. Coming up over the hill, I hear these two simultaneous voices. This must have been maybe 50 yards away on my right. There were these two simultaneous voices. I called it like kids coming off of a school bus, you know, where it's just this chatter that you can't decipher, you can't pick out kids' language, who can understand children. Uh, but it was these two simultaneous voices. And it was just like, and it was just going like that, just this total nonsense. And then right where our trail would have connected, because I was looking right at that direction, right where my point of vision was, uh, right when the voices hit the trail, it stopped. So I was like, oh shit, did you guys hear that? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And I was like, these two voices. And then you could hear, they must have walked down and then out sort of the direction. So from my right, to the left, something was walking out in front of us, down in all these trees. So we were on the higher ground and it was below us and something was walking through. And I was like, man, I thought it was elk because it was just these sort of slow, methodical steps. And um, I was like, you know, I don't want to mess with any elk out here. I've never encountered elk like this and at night in the woods, you know, I didn't want to get trampled or some something get impaled by the antlers, you know, you know what happens in the woods. <laughs> and uh it was walking out in front of us, and then it stops and so Megan and I decide to split up a little bit and I go further down the trail and we start doing whoops back and forth right after one after another. Then I came back and we sat back on the log and then not even a minute or two later and this is the most embarrassing part of the story, but I just, the trees and the whole area just exploded in what I call um, like carnival noises. Just, uh, you just hear like, uh, pop, zing, doo, like just all these crazy sounds. And it's just like shining. And I typically never turn on a white light in the woods. It's only a red light if I need it. But, you know, you never expect to be in the middle of the woods and hear something like, like something zinging in the woods. And so, we throw on the white light and we are just shining that light everywhere. We have like the phone fleers and we're looking through everything and we don't see anything, but the trees are just exploding like there's a 
a bunch of owls in there or something. And we're looking around and we don't see anything above us. There's nothing that was walking out in front of us. We can't see any of it. And then it just it just stops and we're waiting and we're like, well, that was really spooky. And you can hear it on my audio recording that we are, we're swearing up a storm the whole way back. We're just talking as loud as we can because we're spooked. And so then we're, we're leaving the area, we're going down the trail and uh, getting back to base camp. And we're walking by one of our expedition, one of the attendees cars kicks open the door and he goes, hey, did you guys hear that? And we're like, oh my God, like throwing up our arms, like <laughs> terrified. And he's like, something just like slammed a rock against my car. And we're like, no way. And we're, we're out there looking for a rock or a scratch or something in the middle of the night. There's nothing. This all ties together. This is the longest story ever, but it ties together because the next night I decide, me and the guy, his name's Ron, uh, Iowa is Ron. And uh, we decide to go back out the next night and take... I lead a group and two other people lead, you know, have a couple smaller people and we just break off in little satellite camps and sit. And so I go back to the log where I heard the voices. We don't have anything happen. The middle group uh, doesn't have anything happen either. But the group who stayed closest to the trailhead, uh, it was um, a girl named Lisa. And Lisa was on uh, one of the New York episodes of Finding Bigfoot. She's now uh, an investigator. You know, she was, I think, before that. But she's on Finding Bigfoot for the New York episode. She had a sighting. Her group, something um, threw something at them and like it, it actually hit them. And something uh, walked by and bumped the log that they were on and they could hear movement and a bit of chatter in their area. And we're like, oh man, of course it happens. You know, There's a thing in Bigfooting where it's like, oh, something will happen to the girls. And this was the only group of the girls out of where we were. I have heard about that. There was a lot of reports where women would be alone with their children and then their husbands might be working late at night or away from home. And the activity would always happen when the male wasn't around. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it is, there is something real about it where it's something about a woman's voice is so soothing or, you know, children, because it's, they're curious. Whereas like men's voices are just these gruff, like, we're alpha males, something. I think there's something about it. I think there was one or two males with them, but they had walked away from the girls and just left the girls alone. Right. And that's when stuff happens. And so I was like, you know, was it the guys playing tricks on the girls? But there's no way. Cause one of the guys was an ex Marine. He's, he's one of the kindest people I've ever met. And then the other was one of the ladies' husbands since they were off together. You you know, I know they wouldn't, you know, sort of conspire to mess with anyone because that's totally not cool on an expedition. Like there is something I think to that, that women have more things happen. So that's an interesting phenomena. But last year in the same place as this, that expedition, but towards another pond, that guy who was a Marine who was with that group, he actually had a sighting. And I mean, eventually I'll get around to posting it. I have a, I interviewed him and then we did a, I filmed it where I went out with him and, you know, of course, everyone on the expedition had to come and trample all the evidence, but I got to catch his story and uh, basically he was going with a night vision and saw, you know, they were hearing things and he told people to stay behind, but thought that they were, you know, right behind him. So he's like, come on, come on, whispering to them, thinking he was yelling and he saw that he was alone and he thought he was going off trail, bushwhacking. He was on the trail, but he saw something peek out from a tree and look at him and then saw it as it turned its back and walked away. 
And so he only saw the upper torso, but everything in his story lined up. Like he couldn't see from the waist down, and that's because there was a big log there. And it just walked down the trail away from him, and he came back. I heard the story the first time, and he was totally quiet. And I was honestly a little bit intoxicated, but I was like sitting around the fire. But I was like, hey, you know, top, what happened? And and he just broke down crying. And he's he's a big dude and, you know, served a lot of years in the Marine Corps. And he just broke down bawling. And I was like, oh, my God, sorry I mentioned it. But he's he told his story through his sobs. And, you know, I had my audio recorder still going. So I have the first time he told it the time he told it to me later on and then the video stuff. So I think it was legit and he doesn't mess around. So that same area had a sighting last year. Oh, there you go. So that's, that was, that's very exciting. <laughs> I really do appreciate you sharing those stories. It's awesome to hear from someone who has so many different experiences. I think most people who are going to be listening to this haven't necessarily heard from a Bigfoot investigator because I know for a fact all the accounts I have read or heard about are usually just a one-off. Someone's not out there necessarily looking to find anything they're out there hiking or camping and they happen to cross paths with one of these creatures. I think it's also great to be able to hear a bunch of experiences that you've had as well as people you trust and you've known for quite some time now hearing their experiences and it really does paint a bit of a picture of what these creatures are like. They definitely show some curiosity hence with the toilet paper roll story you told and also they definitely show some intelligence by being able to get the bratwurst out of the cooler as you mentioned as well. So definitely from your accounts we get quite a bit of an idea of what these creatures are really like. Yeah and there's a curiosity there you know sort of like with the bratwurst and opening the cooler knowing that sort of action and then just one finger doing it you know so it's conscious of not a whole hand like a bare throwing it or something, you know, ripping through it. And then with the toilet paper, something calmly pulling it and just folding it end over end and just sort of like these light things that sort of mess with people. So why are these Bigfoot Sasquatches so hard to find? Why don't they want to be found? Do you think there's something more going on than they just don't want to be found? Maybe some sort of paranormal aspect or what's what's your thoughts? Oh man, I would love to think that, you know, there's some sort of something more paranormal going on like uh like cloaking or UFOs or something like that, but I really just think that it's a uh I don't know if it's like a missing link or like a human tribe that's lost or or if it's an ape or Gigantopithecus. I have I have no clue, but it's something upright, covered with hair, very tall to having, you know, pretty short uh infants. But um it's something that I think just wants to be left alone. And so any interactions that that it has, and this is strictly interactions, is on the Bigfoot's terms. Like you more often than not, not be able to coax anything into walking into a trap or playing an electric guitar you leave out in the woods or something. Um, you know, because it's suspect. And so it's something that is curious about humans, but the times that there are interactions is when it's on its own terms. Uh, road crossing sightings are totally different because um, that seems accidental. But I do think it's just something that doesn't want to be found. I mean, you have you have all this land to yourself where you don't have to. I always say, you know, a Bigfoot is is very wise and made a good life choice because they don't have to pay taxes or or you know property tax or anything. So it has all this land at its disposal that it's no wonder why it's they're nomadic and they never have to stay in one area. Um, so I, I think it's just something that doesn't want to be found. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, there's cloaking or anything. I always 
me, I, my friends and I joke around that, you know, if something ever goes wrong, uh, we just say, oh, there's a Bigfoot cloaking in here or something. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, you know, that would be, that would be awesome if there was something more to it. And I'm totally, you know, open to that possibility, but I never research into that part of it myself. I'm more of like, I'm in the field going to the areas that I like, and I'm just sort of seeing what happens. I'll make calls and do knocks and things, but you know, because the show Finding Bigfoot has already put it all out there that, you know, these are things that may or may not work. So, you know, I'm always skeptical of what I hear, but when I know that I'm the only one out there, that's when it's, you know, something genuine to me, but I still don't know until I see it. What are your thoughts on the shows out there now, like Finding Bigfoot? And I've just heard about Killing Bigfoot, which has just come out this month, I'm pretty sure. Finding Bigfoot. I mean, I only like the show when they go out and they're doing their uh, their night investigations and things. A lot of people like the town halls, but the town hall stories, for the most part, just run together for me. They're they're all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the night walks are too. But I mean, I like Finding Bigfoot. That was you know that was one of the things that propelled me five six years ago to get serious about it was like, oh, you know, maybe now that this is this is a thing that I can find relatable people with to, to go do it with, I'll give it a shot. You know, otherwise I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to go online and be like, hey, let's do something. Oh you know, for no sure. one's gonna be like, yeah, let's go look for Bigfoot. It's like, oh, the show really gets people opens up their mind to it. And uh I think it does more good than bad. Um and it's just entertainment. You know, um I've I've only met I haven't even talked to Matt Moneymaker ever, but he let me in the group uh, to do to be an investigator. But uh, like I've talked to Cliff Berrickman a couple times, and and he's a nice dude, and he's super genuine. And uh, you know, seeing him speak at conferences like Sasquatch Summit, everyone asks, you know, when's the show gonna do this, and when does it air, and why don't you guys do this? And he's like, dude, it's just entertainment. And I, I don't know how he can put up with people asking the worst questions. Definitely, <laughs> like what. Like, why don't you guys ever follow up on anything? And he's like, well, we do, but you don't see it because we might not have had anything happen. You know, going on expeditions and Bigfooting is both the most exciting and terrifying thing I've ever done because you're in the dark at night, you know, uh, hiking around in, in the deep woods. But it's also the most miserable thing because you are just hiking and walking nonstop, listening, just straining to hear things and you sleep during the day if at all and you know you just get filthy but it's it's the most fun thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah how much video evidence that's you know out there online do you believe is real compared to how much of it is a hoax would you say (laughs) i mean i I've I've only seen a few things online. I, I try to actively stay off of it. So the only evidence that I really like is the Patterson Gimlin film. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And I've I was fortunate enough to meet Bob Gimlin a couple times and he came out on our Washington expedition this last year. So I got to talk with him, you know, take pictures, but he also did a uh, drum circle where he played the drum and did like Native American chants. Wow. And yeah, so that was incredible. And that's all recorded and it's he is one of the funniest dudes ever. But I mean, I love the Patterson Gimlin film. Like it's it's one in a trillion billion chance that they got that. But I mean, the stars aligned for those guys. And that is, you know, now with the stabilized version, that is, it's just incredible to me. Um, and knowing sort of the people behind it, the events leading up to it and, you know, people people try to downplay Roger Patterson as, oh, they went out to make a movie and film a Bigfoot or something, and they did. And it's like, well, that is like a huge 
coincidence in my mind that, you know, today if you tried to do that and you, you'd think you'd film one, everyone does it every, you know, not every day, but every weekend maybe and never get anything. So the stars aligned for them. And like like with the big washout that happened through the um, Bluff Creek and Willow Creek and sort of how they were kind of devastated for a while and just then they were left with the remnants of that sandbar. It's like that was, you know, it was perfect. It was almost too good to be true, but it, I, I believe it is true. So do I. Um, you know, it's it's incredible. And like I have been fortunate enough to meet like Steven Struford and I'm friends with Jamie Wayne who are in the Bluff Creek project where they're the guys who mapped everything out for that, for, you know, the the Patterson Giblin film. They found the site, they document, you know, they have the markers for everything. I still have to get down there, but who knows when that'll be. They did all the legwork, they found it and they have the camera project going 24 seven. They haven't gotten any evidence of that, but they found um, a Martin that I think they thought was extinct or very endangered. They got that on film and they get killer nature uh, videos and photographs from it. So at least they're finding something if it's not Bigfoot. But yeah, so the Patterson-Gimlin film, um, a lot of people, I mean, that's the best, but a lot of people like the Paul Freeman film was where it was a Bigfoot researcher named Paul Freeman going out. I think it was Washington, but anyways, he goes out and films a Bigfoot and, you know, it's a big torso, the fat looking thing with a kind of a smaller head and it turns and looks at him mostly, you know, neck, but turns its body and he goes, oh, there he goes. And and people really like that video and they say, you know, and you see it sort of walking away a little bit because he was, he was following a trail of footprints founded and you know I I don't believe I can't believe that video um as being genuine uh just because of his reaction uh Fair I mean enough. I'm you know I'm very uh skeptical of especially cuz it's your voice on film and you just go oh there he goes that's like you know something your grandpa would say <laughs> like <laughs> if if he was showing like a little kid something you know so that's that's one of the reasons I don't like it it's not it's I know people listening to this are probably like, that's not enough to go off of, but I don't believe it. <laughs> if I hadn't heard the audio, I'd be like, that's interesting. But also like the head movement of where, you know, you typically things are reported where at least the shoulders turn and it's not a lot of neck work because you don't see much neck because the hair and the shoulders and, you know, everything, it's more of a full body turn. But this thing, it's like its neck is completely human moving around. And, and the Bigfoot is also just super like obese or pregnant or something. And I'm just like, uh, I mean, because you can see it and he could have followed it. And why is that the only footage that he has? You know, he goes, oh, there he goes. And he doesn't go with it. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also I also just love uh, the comedy videos like Tim Peeler is one of my favorites. Um, if you just look up on YouTube, uh, North Carolina Bigfoot sighting, he's my favorite. Uh, and then there's uh, this one where this guy's in the woods. I, f- I don't know what the video is called, but he's following something and he goes, oh, look, look. And he's like filming and he's zooming in and, and whatever you know it is, or if it's a person or not, it just goes, Ugh! and the guy goes, and he freaks out. <laughs> it's hilarious. But for the most part, I mean, I typically... Uh, Stay off of YouTube for mm. things like that. You have to be very like really skeptical, especially if you're gonna yeah. go looking through it all. But yeah, well, thank you so much for coming and having a chat with me, Sky. I really do appreciate it, honestly. Yeah, thank 
thank you for having me, Dylan. I, I, uh, I'm glad I was able to reach out and be like, hey, I do a thing and I've done a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I really, I'm glad that people are happy to come forward and speak openly about this stuff because as we we're kind of just saying, people do get ridiculed and people just don't care. But, you know, there's definitely stuff going on. So um, I think it's good that we do talk about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me and letting me share uh, a few of my mini stories. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 